Brick Oven Pizza, a must-have for anyone craving great pizza. Locations at Boca Park, the Palazzo, South Rainbow, and Green Valley. Learn more at GrimaldisPizzeria.com. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation. Another day to be with you for the next three hours and talk to you, talk with you, hear from you. Of course, we got the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Got the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Again, excited about the next three hours. Was out at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center a little earlier today. Was able to talk to head coach Josh McDaniels. Multiple different uh, media members right now are at the facility as the Raiders are going through practice as they're preparing for the next team up on the schedule. The New England Patriots, who, after playing the Cardinals on Monday Night Football, did not head back to New England. Instead, stayed on the West Coast and stayed there in Arizona, and they're preparing for this game. So similar to what the Raiders did when they played the Saints and then went on to Jacksonville, they did not return to Las Vegas. Well, the Patriots are doing the same thing, did not return to New England, and is waiting out West, practicing out West to get ready for this game. That's a big game for them come Sunday. It's a big game for the Raiders as well, but it's a big game for them because they're still really close to being in the mix, something that obviously the Raiders would be if a couple games went their way. They'd be in the mix as well, and they are mathematically still in the mix, but that's not something I'm worried about. But the Patriots, please believe they're worried about being in the mix for the playoffs because, man, they are right there on the cusp, kind of looking in saying, yeah, one mistake here, one mistake there, and they'll be right there in that thing following the season. So a lot to get to on today's show. Very excited about it. Excited about the opportunity to start to turn the page and look forward to the New England Patriots who come to Legion Stadium on Sunday. So coming up on the show today, Christopher Price, uh, Patriots Report from uh, Believe Podcast Network. He uh, does a fantastic job. He also writes for the Boston Globe. He'll join us to give us our first preview on the New England Patriots and how they're feeling there in Arizona. And coming off the, the game on Monday night, of course, it's a short week. But again, uh, staying on the West Coast, I think that that helps kind of eliminate the fact that it's a shorter week for them and get them prepar- uh, prepared for Sunday. So Christopher Price, Patriots Report, Believe Podcast Network will join us at 2.30. At 3 o'clock, we'll hear from head coach Josh McDaniels, a few sound bites from him and what he had to say today, including the fact that Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro uh, have been activated off of IR. So now there's a 21-day window to actually put them on the active roster. Will that be this week? Don't know. But they were out at practice today. I think that's a good sign. Andrew Billings was also out at practice today. I think that's a good sign. Josh Jacobs was out at practice, and he had a red non-contact jersey on. So good sign uh, for all those guys. Regardless, you know that Josh Jacobs doesn't need a whole lot of practice. You know he's he's, uh, he's pretty much locked in with what he's going to do throughout the course of this season, right? I mean, his, his practice doesn't need to be a whole lot. Just ma- maintain that, uh, that pinky and make sure that everything is okay, and that's why he has the red non-contact jersey on out at practice today. So you'll hear from head coach Josh McDaniels. He actually met with us before practice. That'll come up about 3 o'clock. Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports, she'll join us at 3.30, as she always does on Wednesdays at 3.30, to talk all things UNLV and see how fired up DeMond could get, who's back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. Uh, see how fired up he can get over his 10-0 running Rebels. And uh, also Barry Odom, the new head coach of the UNLV Rebels, the football team, uh, making his went rounds 
doing a lot of recruiting here locally. Uh, I saw a headline saying that he's already done more recruiting here locally than Marcus Arroyo did in the whole time that he was the head coach of UNLV. And I don't know if that's factual, but uh, I've heard that multiple times. So it probably pretty much is pretty factual, which is not good, right? I mean, if you're going to be a head coach anywhere, you're supposed to make sure you recruit locally. I'm not saying that everyone who plays here locally should have an opportunity to go to UNLV, but you got to take a look at them. You got to check in with the head coach of the high school teams and say, hey, you know, what you got going, who's, who's a real good player, who's someone I should be paying attention to, those relationships should be built. That's something that I know, as a matter of fact, for 100% that has to happen if you're going to build a program in a community. And if Marcus Arroyo did not go out and really uh, focus in on the, on the local community, then shame on him because that's something, again, that should not happen. He should definitely have been focused in. There's plenty of talent here in the area, and uh, they need to get some attention. Now, go out and do your recruiting everywhere you're going to go. Obviously, if you're here in Vegas, you're going to recruit California. You're going to recruit Texas. You're going to recruit Florida. You're going to go all over the place and recruit. But if you're not taking care of home and paying attention to home at least a little bit, then you're doing it wrong. So Paloma Villacana will join us at 3.30. Coming up at 4 o'clock, Adam Hill from the RJ and also ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station. He'll join us. He's actually at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center right now. They're going to be going through uh, some some locker room action. Derek Carr and Devontae Adams are supposed to be speaking with the media uh, at the podium a little bit later on after practice. But uh, Adam will have an opportunity to get into the locker room, same as Vinny Bonsignor, same as Heidi Fang, and uh, amongst others that are out there. So Adam Hill will kind of give us the lay of the lamb, what he's saying, what what he thinks from seeing Darren Waller out there at practice. And I just saw a quick video from Cassie Soto with uh, Darren Waller practicing and Hunter Renfro. And it looked like, and this is not to be unexpected, it looked like Darren Waller was pretty winded out there, right? I saw him and then saw him standing there, and it looked like he was breathing pretty hard, which, again, if you haven't played and you haven't practiced in a long time, of course that's what, the, what it's going to be. A lot of it is about getting you know, your endurance back, getting, you know, getting, your, um, getting all your reps in so you can get that, those, your sea legs underneath you is what they like to call it. So uh, seeing Darren Waller kind of breathing heavy was not a big surprise to me. So uh, Adam Hill will join us at 4 o'clock, kind of give us the lay of the land of all things silver and black as he's still over at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center Raider HQ. Then, closing out our guest lineup, really excited about this guest at 4.30, Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. He'll join the show, and it's funny because I'm not ready to turn the page and start looking into the offseason, but yesterday on the show, I started talking about what I would do if I'm the GM of the Raiders, if I'm the front office of the Raiders, what my focus would be. I said I would go all heavy on defensive guys in the draft. Matter of fact, I'd draft everybody. Every pick I had, I'd use on defense. And that's what I said yesterday on the show. And I'm going to stick with that. That is the philosophy that I believe that the Raiders should do. Now, I'm sure they won't do that, but that's just what I believe that they should do since we know how much help they need defensively. And they have a couple players here and there, but they really need a lot more. And so I'm going to talk about what the draft is looking like as far as what might be a heavy position? Like some years we hear, oh, the offensive line, if you need a tackle, this is the year to get them. If you need a quarterback, this is the year to get them. If you need an edge rusher, this is the year to get them. That's what I mean. I'm not going to sit here and deep dive and say, hey, well, the Raiders are supposed to be picking at number eight overall. What do you think? No, 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 no. I'm not getting anywhere into those kind of weeds yet. That's not that's not till after the season is over. I have plenty of time to do that. So I want to get his thoughts on that. But also, based off a conversation I heard this morning, on the morning tailgate with Vinny Bonsignor, Clay Baker, and Heidi Fang talking about, in particular, the 2020 draft class for the Raiders. And we know that John Simpson was recently waived, so the only person left from that draft class was Amik Robertson. And you can go back and look at all the draft classes uh, since John Gruden returned. And if you want to go back further than that, you can do that and say there was a lot of misses 
in the Raiders draft. And so that's something that I've been a big advocate of, that you have to be able to have success in the draft. And we know that the Raiders have had success in some later rounds, right? Nate Hobbs is a success. Uh, Max Crosby, clearly a success. He's already on his second contract. Hunter Renfro on his second contract. I mean, they find guys in the later rounds. Dylan Parham looks like he's going to be a player. I don't want to, you know, go put the cart before the horse, but it's, it looks like Dylan Parham's going to be a good one. They got him in the third round. So they, you're seeing success from the silver and black. You're seeing that success in later rounds. I just want to talk about with Mike, I'm going to ask him about, like, hit rate. You know, what's kind of average? What should you be looking for? If you're a team, what are you striving for? to make sure that the cupboard isn't bare. And right now I feel like the Raiders have missed on so many draft picks that the cupboard is not necessarily 100% bare, but it's pretty close. They don't have the depth that they should have. So I'm not trying to bash the the Raiders draft class. I'm not trying to do all that and talk about, well, you should have got this player, should have got that player. We could do that all day. Woulda, shoulda, coulda, and I've done it before. And Believe me, it's not pretty. I've been there, done that. And, I mean, that's easy to go back and say, well, this player would have been a great player. That's, that's so easy. That's low-hanging fruit. We're not going to do that. But I do just want to get his, his thoughts on, okay, if a team is pretty successful in the draft, what are they doing? You know, are they hitting on, you know, two or three picks a draft? Are they getting two or three starters every year? You know, because I have my feelings, and others have their feelings, but I kind of want to know from someone who does this on the regular and what they're looking for and what the teams that they think are really good drafters what they're looking at. So we'll do all that, just kind of getting an early feel of the draft and maybe draft philosophies, but not necessarily dipping into, okay, well, what do you think the Raiders should do in round two? What do you think? I'm I'm not going there. Not doing that anytime soon. So that should be a fun conversation. I'm really looking forward to it. And I thought that uh, Vinny and Clay and Heidi had a really good conversation earlier this morning on the morning tailgate talking about that draft class. And some people got a little upset about it. You know, talking about, well, you know, every, every, every team's going to fail in the draft. Absolutely. But at points, you know, you've got to be able to hit. There's certain organizations. I think the Baltimore Ravens do it really well. They find, they find really good players in the draft, right? But at the same time, I don't really know on the regular and on the average how many they hit on each and every year or what the, you know, what the target goal should be. So that'll be a conversation that we have with Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus coming up at 4.30. So there you go. That's the guest lineup for today. Christopher Price, Patriots Report on the Believe Podcast Network at 2.30. Paloma Villacana at 3.30. Adam Hill at 4. And Mike Renner closes us out uh, for Pro Football Focus at 4.30. Also, I know Vinny's going to be in the Raiders locker room as well. and He's going to try to send over some locker room sound like he gets usually on Wednesday and Thursday for us. So uh, whatever Vinny sends over, we'll try to get that on the show as well. So uh, it's a busy day, turning the page to the New England Patriots. And, uh, yeah, let's get right into it, man. Let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. And on a side note, if we have time, (laughs) and if we have time, I'm not guaranteeing we're going to have time, but if we do have time on today's show, we're also going to get into my holiday movie nightmare. And what I mean by that is I was on Freddie and Fitzsimmons last night on ESPN National, and uh, everyone knows I'm not a big, one, a big Christmas guy, period. I'm definitely not a holiday movie guy. I hate the Hallmark Channel, and there's a big storyline that goes with it. So if we have time, we'll do a deep dive into it, and you'll actually hear what was on Freddie and Fitzsimmons last night. I thought it was pretty funny, and I found it to be pretty entertaining, and I had no idea it was going to happen like this. So if we have enough time, we'll squeeze it in. If not, no worries. We'll get to it tomorrow or Friday or whatever the case may be. We'll get to it at some point. If we don't, that's okay as well. But 
do want to deep dive into the silver and black. I do have tickets for the Las Vegas Bowl coming up as well uh, in the show. Matter of fact, right after we talk to Paloma Villacana, so right around 345, we'll give out tickets, a four-pack of tickets to the Las Vegas Bowl uh, that's going on on Saturday at Allegiant Stadium. So that's something also to look forward to. Florida and uh, – and uh, who are they playing again? I forgot who Florida's playing. Oh, man. How did I forget? Oregon State. Jeez. How did I forget? Florida and Oregon State. That's the, uh, that's the Las Vegas Bowl. So we'll have tickets to that coming up at 345. But let's go ahead and jump into the teeth of the show. We asked the question yesterday about bright spots, and I thought we had some really good responses. So with what you've seen so far from this team, and I know it's only been, you know, we're only at December 14th. They still have a handful of games left, and obviously they got an offseason still to go. But from what you've seen since the moment since Dave Ziegler, the GM, Champ Kelly, the assistant GM, Joshua Daniels, the head coach, the whole group, not just, you know, the, what you've seen as far as win losses on the field, but just everyone in general, as far as this organization goes, where are you right now with your confidence level that the plan is in place and is trading in the right direction? And you don't have to be in any place. You can say, yeah, Q, I need to see some more. And that's okay. That's fine, right? But I just want to know where you are individually, where Raider Nation is right now with this new staff. Uh, This is a staff that I'm definitely not saying they need to be on their way out anytime soon because I think continuity is very important. I think they need to have an opportunity to actually let the plan play out. You know, I hear JT talking about the plan all the time, and, you know, he gets to talk to the GM, and he gets to talk to the head coach quite a bit, and that's awesome. So he feels like he can see the plan. But I want to know, can Raider Nation see the plan? And do you feel confident that the plan is trending in the right direction? Is there some bumps and bruises along the way? Absolutely. That's going to happen. But as long as things are trending in the right direction, that should make you feel a little bit better. But you might be one that says no. No, I, I'm, I'm not confident at all. And, again, that's okay as well. But I definitely want to hear from you at 702-365-9200 our don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword r When I look at it, I feel like I can see the plan in place. Like, I feel like I can see what the goal is. One of the big goals when the team, when, when the, the new staff came in was to make sure that they were versatile. Right With all the players that they brought in, they want to make sure that they're versatile. And that even goes to a guy like Devontae Adams, who they traded for and gave a lot of money to, because he can line up anywhere on the field. Right, We've seen him line up just about anywhere. Outside, inside, we saw him line up in the backfield. I mean, we've seen him line up just about anywhere. So I feel like versatility is something that they said since day one, and you can see the guys that are getting the most burn right now are the guys that are versatile. I mean, even before Alex Bars went down, Think about that. I mean, he had played on the left side. He was playing on the right side when he got injured. Dylan Parham has played multiple positions. Jermaine Illuminor has played multiple positions. The only guy on the offensive line that hasn't played multiple positions is Colton Miller because he's, you know, he's that guy. He's the left tackle. He's the, you know, he, he's that benchmark. So he's a guy that you're not going to move around. Uh, obviously, Andre James hasn't moved around either, but those are the two guys that were already kind of sitting in their spots when this new staff got here. But the rest of the guys have all been, you know, been able to play multiple positions. You know, you see the, the versatility of different guys that they've brought in as far as, you know, wide receivers, what they could do as far as special teams. You've seen, you've seen a lot of versatility. Hell, Matt Collins was a guy that we all expected to be a, what, maybe a third, fourth, a fourth wide receiver probably at best and a big-time special teams contributor. Because of injury, he was forced into being basically the number two wide receiver. And he's done decent. I'm not going to say he just knocked it out the park, but he's done decent. So it feels like, the, the plan is in place. Nate Hobbs, he can line up inside, he can line up outside, right? I mean, but there's still not enough of the guys that they want, clearly. I mean, you can see that they still need more guys in, in, those, in those key places to really do what they want to do. I feel like even Patrick Graham has called defenses 
different depending on who's out there. Right, okay, hey, this guy could do, you know, run this kind of coverage. I feel like they got more physical when Nate Hobbs returned. Like they were, they were kind of shying away from being a physical defense until Hobbs came back, and they knew, okay, we got that guy on the outside that could play that, that press man coverage and really be strong. And that was when Rock was still out there, and, you know, obviously Rock got injured, and he wasn't able to play in the, the last game. So uh, those are two guys that not necessarily saying that Rock is the best corner out there, but you know he's physical and he's going to make life pretty difficult on you. So uh, I feel like I understand what the plan is supposed to be. It's just always hard to, you know, almost co-sign on it when – you're not seeing the success right away. But as we know, everything doesn't always happen right away. You know, with Derek Carr, I know a lot of people are talking about what he does and what he doesn't do at the line of scrimmage and if he's changing into enough plays or if he has the, you know, the ability to change into a bunch of plays. If you go back and think about it, every time Derek Carr has had a new coordinator, a new play caller, a new system, he, he hasn't been the greatest quarterback that first year. He hasn't. Every single time. You can go back and look at the numbers. Every time he has to reset, and that's why I go back to continuity, right? Continuity is so important because, man, last year, and I, and I say this with all due respect, I feel like Derek Carr could have called the, called the plays himself because he knew that system so well. So I'm not taking any shots at Greg Olson or Rich Passaccia, but I feel like Derek Carr could have been out there and been like, yeah, I know, okay, I know what to do here because he just knew it like the back of his hand. This year he doesn't know that. He doesn't know this system like the back of his hand. That's something he's got to build up too. But I feel like I see – I see the plan. And as long as Josh McDaniels and company could win enough games to keep the players engaged and believe that they see the plan, that I think is the most important thing. If they don't see the plan and they stop believing in the plan, that's when you got trouble. So um, hopefully they're seeing the plan uh, and, and they're believing in the plan because if they do, they'll fight till the end. These final four games, they'll give you everything they got, these final four games, and then they'll you know, let the chips fall where they may. If it happens to fall into the playoffs, great. If it doesn't, that's okay too. At least they gave you everything they had until the end. So, Raider Nation, I want to hear from you. 702-365-9200, and then also the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword r Demond, I'll start with you. You always come up with some good stuff. Are you Are you – Having confidence, are you are, right? Where are you right now with your confidence level about this plan in place? Is it trending in the right direction for you, or do you need to see more? I need to see more. And last week, where you posed a similar question, and I gave about a seven, but after that loss to the Rams, you know, it's got to be a little bit lower because mm. they can be the perfect plan, but if everyone involved with said plan doesn't execute properly, then how good can the plan really be? Uh, that's if good. that makes sense. I mean, yeah. Because as you were saying this, I was trying to think of a funny analogy. And let's just say, hey, if we're going to rob a bank, but we all end up in jail. Why after, you always trying to rob a bank, man? Why you always trying to rob a bank, man? <laughs> and then if we all end up in jail, well, we have the perfect plan to rob the bank. Well, how man, do we all end up in jail then? You got something going on in, in your past that we don't know about, man, because you always reference you always reference robbing a bank, man. I just, I just love heist movies. That's all. But man, it just goes to show, like, where the plan, it could be, hey, maybe McDaniels, that he has the proper plan with this front office, with Patrick Graham on the defensive yeah, side see, of the ball. that's the that thing I'm need, looking at, though. I'm looking at the big picture. I'm looking at the bigger picture where it's not just McDaniels, but it's the whole scheme. It's the whole everything, right? Yeah, and, it can, and that can say, and that's why I think that they, no, they didn't try to say it too much this year. But we know that next year is going to be the year where they get more of their guys in to fit into said plan, more particularly on the defensive side. But it's hard to sell that to a fan base, and no one right. wants to hear about next year while this year's still not. going on. No, 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 not at all, not at all. But again, if you're a fan, and maybe it's just me, if I'm a fan, I'm sitting back, and I see, if I see things that I think, okay, it's trending in the right direction. Like we had multiple calls on yesterday's show saying, you know, um, 
the bright spot is that these guys aren't getting blown out, right? They're in every one of these games. Are they losing these close ones? Yeah. You know, have they lost four double-digit leads? Yeah. Should that ever happen? No. But it has. But they're they're right there. They're not the only game they they just got embarrassed in and, and got whooped at least by getting blown out of the water was the Saints game. Other, I mean, Thursday game against the Rams that was embarrassing the way that they lost against Baker Mayfield and you know that story, story writes itself. But I just when you see that and you see that fight and you see that those guys are right there, it's almost like okay, they're almost to the finish line. They just haven't. They just don't know how to finish. And that's not just the players. I want to make that perfectly clear before we go on. That's not just the players. That's also the coaching staff. The coaching staff has to learn how to finish as well. But it feels like it's going to be – I hate to use the word project because then it sounds like it's, it's going to take forever, right? Projects always sound like it's, it's really going to take a long time. But it just feels like it's something that these guys all have to grow together, coaching staff and players, right? And some of these players won't obviously be here next year. So they're trying to win right now. They're trying to do the best they can right now. And they're, they're playing for, for contracts for next year wherever it's at, either with the Raiders or someone else. So it just, to me, it just looks like it's there. Like you can see it, a play here, a play there. I mean, I feel like we can go through every single game that they've lost and pick out a couple plays and say if those two plays went in the other direction, boom, that's a win, right, which, which is not satisfying for anybody <laughs> at all, right? That only, that only works in, you know, what Candyland or whatever. We're definitely not in Candyland. So, you know, not, not, again, not trying to make excuses. Just want to see if you see things trending in the right direction, if you feel like you, they're trending in the right direction, or if you're like Demond and said you'd like to see some more. You know, again, like I said, that is okay. <laughs> Needing to see more is fine. That's not, that's, not a, that's not a bad answer, right? Yeah, I think that the, for me, just the bad losses, there's such bad losses where you say that, hey, we would come on the radio, we had guests that on the show and say, you can't lose these games, and they somehow find a way to lose those games. So where it may be, hey, in the long term, it may come back and, hey, you'll forget about those bad losses in the 2022 season. But for right now, it just makes me think that the plan isn't as stable as we like to believe that it is. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, we got a text from the 530, currently 38%, which is our winning percentage. Hopeful 100%. Got to give Zig and McDaniel some time. Reality 20%. This organization just loses all the time. We can't ignore our losing ways. And, you know, that's a great text because that is something that also has to be changed. And I know no one ever likes to hear the C word, culture, but the culture of losing has to change. It just has to. That is something that I don't know who texts that in, but they're from the 530, and I think that that's spot on because there is too much of that within this organization, and it sucks. For, and I'll tell you, it sucks from being a Raider fan, a lifelong Raider fan like I am. It sucks to know that you know, the organization hasn't found that, that, that culture of winning like back in the day when everyone became Raider fans, when you know the old, old-timers were watching the Raiders win all these Super Bowls and seeing all the commitment to excellence and everything, like there's a big generation of fans, including myself, who hasn't seen that. But we know it's there. We know it's been there. We hear all the great stories. We just want to see it. And so that's what I keep looking at thinking, man, I would love to see a front office, a coaching staff, all be on the same page, come in with some continuity, and then build that culture of winning where you're expected to win. You know, you're expected to do things right, like the draft. You're expected to do things right, like in free agency. You know, when, when we ask questions of certain guests and they're like, oh, well, that's just not what so-and-so does. Oh, Baltimore doesn't do that. Oh, this, this, this organization, they just don't operate like that. 
you know, I, my, my buddy Chris Carter, he hosts Locked On Steelers, and he always talks about, like, contract extensions for players that still have more than one year left on their deal. Like, oh, the Steelers organization doesn't do that as an organization. They don't give that contract extension two years out. And I think they finally did to somebody. I forget who it was. But they finally did do that. And he's like, that's not like them. That's, that's not like the organization. I'm hoping at some point that, you know, this organization, which is the Raiders, are all of a sudden – in those conversations that people are having. Oh, yeah, that organization doesn't reach for draft picks. The, that organization doesn't overpay for free agents. Like, free agents want to go play there, right? That's what the ultimate goal is because right now the culture and the conversation is negative because there's been a lot of losing. There's been a year here, a year there. Like, I hear – I'll listen to national radio, and I'll be listening to, like, Barton, Barton Hahn, and he's talking about Baker Mayfield. Bart Scott was, was talking about Baker Mayfield, and they said, well – he had that nice win over the Raiders, and he said, yeah, but it was the Raiders. Look at, look, at, look at the Raiders, right? You don't want to be on that end of that conversation, and right now they've earned that. You can't defend that. There's nothing anyone can say because they've earned that. So they've got to earn the, the, the C word change, the culture change. But the only way they can do that is winning and then making good decisions, making smart decisions, not reaching for an Alex Leatherwood, and I'm not trying to pile on him or anyone else. You know, not piling, not, not reaching for a Damon Arnett. Everyone, including Damon Arnett, was shocked that he was drafted where he was drafted, right? I mean, there was a lot of that. You know, and like I said, the morning tailgate was talking about the 2020 draft, but, I mean, you can say that with a lot of players. I remember, look, you know, Damon, I'm a big Alabama football fan. I remember the day I was sitting in Texas watching the draft. The wife had the video rolling on me. As soon as they picked Alex Leatherwood, I said, Leatherwood? I'm sure the video's still floating around somewhere. I said, Leatherwood? In round one? I can see Leatherwood in round two, maybe even round three. But I never saw anything when I was watching Alabama football. And I'm not a scout. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> I've picked a lot of players that haven't been worth the salt. <laughs> I've, I've had my eye on a lot of guys. And Raider Mack will tell you that there's one on the team still that I got my eye on that I think is going to be good and hasn't panned out yet. But seriously, like just because I like them or just because you like a player doesn't mean they're going to be good. Or just because we don't like them doesn't mean they're not going to be good. But I was really shocked by that one. I was shocked by David Arnett. I felt like real comfortable that they were going to draft a quarterback there. I said, yeah, they need a quarterback. They're going to go get one. I just didn't think they were going to get that one. <laughs> I, I thought Trayvon Diggs. I thought, um, you know, anyone. I thought the young man who ended up going to uh, Atlanta that ended up, that was a, a Clemson guy. Uh, I thought he was going to be the dude. Wasn't him. I mean, there was, there was just a lot of shock. And I think a lot of Raider Nation has that. You don't always have to go for the shock factor. Right? Sometimes just go with the, the, the pick that makes the most sense. But, again, it's all about that culture being changed. And so that goes with the plan. And I know that the plan that Dave Ziegler has, without even talking to him, I know the plan he has is to get that culture changed and all of a sudden make the franchise one of those that other franchises and other people, fans, are looking and say, oh, yeah, the Raiders, they make smart moves. Oh, yeah, they don't, they don't reach for draft picks. They don't overspend in free agency. And, and that, to Dave Ziegler's credit, he didn't do that this offseason. He could have broke the bank on J.C. Jackson. He didn't. Could have broke the bank on uh, other offensive linemen that were out there that they were looking at. He didn't. He had a certain price that he was willing to spend, and he didn't go over it. That's discipline. Now, they need to get the talent still, but, you know, they have, they have, they're showing discipline. So that, to me, is part of the plan moving forward. But, again, I'm asking you what you see, 702-365-9200. Also, our don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Coming up next, Christopher Price, Patriots reporter uh, from Believe Podcast Network and also the Boston Globe will give us our first review and our preview of the Patriots. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. 
That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Got a text on our don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Joseph in Denver said, McZiggler, clearly have a plan. Talking about McDaniels and Dave Ziggler put together. They have a plan, but I question how long this plan is going to take to come to fruition. The way this regime wants to try to win games, they're 8 to, they're eight to 10 starters away, and that's a lot to ask for in one offseason. That's Joseph in Denver, and we'll get to that in a hot minute. Joining us on the phone lines right now is Christopher Price, Patriots reporter at the Believe Podcast Network, also writes for the Boston Globe. And, Chris, we do appreciate your time this afternoon, my man. And, I mean, you're familiar with Josh McDaniels. You're familiar with uh, Dave Ziegler. Uh, do you think that they have a, a plan in place that could help the Raiders, not just for right now, but obviously for the stability of the, of the future of the uh, organization? Yeah, I do. I, I, first of all, it's great to be here. But second of all, I, I do. I, I think that it's a long-term thing. And even though the Raiders enjoyed success toward the end of the year last year, and I can understand why people would stack up last year's record with this year's record, I do think that there's a long-term play in there in place in Las Vegas. So, I, look, what I can tell is a guy who covered Josh for a long time, I don't want to tell people to kind of be patient, but it, it's going to take some time to come to fruition. This is a guy who knows what he's doing on the offensive side of the ball, I've seen him on a number of occasions make chicken salad out of you know what, chicken you know what here <laughs> yeah. in New England. It, you know, even with Tom Brady on under center, you know, there were times where it, it, it just he was able to kind of make things come together. And so, look, you know, my experience, it's not going to happen you know over the course of the season. It's going to take a couple of seasons. Um, I do know also with Ziggler, I've had a chance to talk with him on a, a couple of occasions when he was here in New England. Find him to be a very smart guy, guy who knows this stuff. And so I think long-term, if the Raiders do end up sticking with those two guys, they're in pretty good hands. Again, we're talking with Christopher Price here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now, the Patriots are headed to Allegiant Stadium for Week 15 action. How much of Bill Belichick versus Josh McDaniels has been in the storylines and conversations already? (laughs) We've already had a week's worth, and it's only been a couple of days, my friend. So it it has. It's been a challenge. But look, that's the natural storyline coming into this one. The other thing, too, for the Patriots is, and we saw some of this in the Cardinals game last week. Every win, you know, every game right now, it's not quite a must-win for them, but you know, there's a sense of urgency mm-hmm. if they do want to make the postseason. They're seven and six. They got four games left. The theory around here is it's going to take at least ten wins to get into the playoffs. And you know, when you look at the other three opponents, this game sets up to be a winnable game if you're New England. And so, look. Uh, again, I don't want to call them all playoff games from here on out for New England, but again, there's a sense of urgency for the Patriots when it comes to this game against the Raiders. How important do you think it was that after that game against Arizona on Monday night, they stayed out west and did not return to New England so they don't have to have that, that big travel? Yeah, I, I think that's big. They, they've done that on a couple of occasions the last decade or so under Bill when they've had back-to-back West Coast games. I remember a game where they, you know, they played the Packers and then they flew out to play the Chargers and they didn't come back east. Bill is a proponent of this, particularly later in the year, and so it was a huge surprise. I, I think also, too, when you talk to guys about this, they're, they're one of two minds. They don't like being away from home, away from their families, especially around Christmas time. But the other thing is, it allows them to focus. It allows them to, to kind of you know, focus completely and totally on football. You know, they are out there. One guy you know, kind of compared it almost to college, like you know, training camp in college when you're there in August, and it's just you and the guys, and 
you know, that's all you have to, to, to look at. All you have to, you know, kind of occupy time is football. And so I think it's a good thing. It's not a particular surprise. Again, this is kind of Belichick's MO over the years. So I, I, I think it's a, I think it's a positive if you're, if you're a Patriot. Talking all things Patriots right now with Christopher Price here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And necessary roughness. My man DeMond's got one for you. We hear it in Vegas all the time that it's a process, but what's the process been like with the Patriots' new offense with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge kind of co-handling things? Because Mac Jones, that we've seen that he's getting a little frustrated on the sidelines, and in Monday's game he threw more short yardage passes and screen passes than he ever has in his career. Yeah, I think, and that's a great point. It's a great question. There is a sense of inconsistency, might not be the right word, but after what we saw from Mac last year, it feels like he's taken a little step back and I don't know if that is the overall health and ineffectiveness of the offensive line. I don't know how much of that is the play calling on the part of Matt Patricia. I don't know how much of that is Elon Mack himself. I think it's probably a little bit of all three because the offensive line has not played well this year. They've been banged up. You know, you lose guys like Trent Brown and Isaiah Wynn and David Andrews for long stretches of time, and they've kind of had to patch things together. One of the ways they've been able to overcome that, to your point, They've been able to call more short stuff. They've been able to call more intermediate stuff. They've been able to go to the screen game a little bit more, and I think that takes a little bit more pressure off Mac. and I think you're starting to see results. We started to see a lot of them in the Minnesota game. They didn't win that game a couple of weeks ago, Thanksgiving night, if I remember correctly, but they ended up getting the ball out quickly. There was a focus, you know, one, two seconds, snap to throw, get it out quickly, move the chains, and I think we're starting to see more and more of that. They'll take an occasional shot downfield, the guys like Devontae Parker, but really – the strength of this offense is the short and intermediate stuff. When Jacoby Myers is healthy, he's an important part of this. When Ramondre Stevenson is healthy in the passing game, he's also a big part of it as well. Before I ask my next question, I do want to ask about Devontae Parker because we saw him Monday night where yeah. Nelson Aguilar almost basically stops the game to call some attention to that. Is he in concussion protocol now? Yeah, yeah. He, he is, he's, I, I don't know. I don't know. Hold on. Let me, let me back up. I don't know if he's in concussion protocol right now, but he's being closely monitored. I know the first um, uh, the, the the first practice report of the week came out a few week a few hours ago. I haven't been able to get a chance to look at it, but this is something that's going to be monitored moving forward. And if they can't if they can't have him play on Sunday, that removes really the deep threat in this offense. Parker, when he's been healthy, has been very very good, very competitive when it comes to 50 balls. He's been a guy that Mac has been able to lean on when he's decided to go deep. And back to the play calling, I know that you got to do whatever you can to win when some of your best key players are out, especially on the offensive line. But what does Mac Jones excel at, you know, when he has his full slate of weapons on that offense? He, it's, it's more of the short stuff. It really is. He, he's a guy who is an excellent decision maker, first and foremost, in my mind. He would, almost to a fault, really, he would almost think, you know, he's more inclined to take a sack as opposed to throwing an interception, he'll throw the ball away. But his completion percentage for a young quarterback is very, very high. He doesn't make a lot of bad decisions. The interceptions over the course of his career, over the course of the last you know, year and a half, have been the tipped balls. You know, he doesn't throw into traffic a whole lot. He's almost conservative. And I think when this offense is going well, they are more of a conservative offense. They rely on the running game. They rely on those short intermediate passes. They rely on a ball-controlled offense. Guys like Stevenson, guys like Harris, those backs, um, you know, you, you'll occasionally see, again, those shots downfield to guys like Parker. Hunter Henry has been effective for them at times, but they don't really open things up, and I think they play to max strengths. When this offense is going well, they maximize his strengths, the short game, the intermediate passing game, the running game, and they minimize his weaknesses. You know, how long do you think, or do you think that Matt Patricia is the long-term solution as far as the offensive coordinator? Do you think that they might have to end up bringing someone else in? 
they're going to change things up at the end of this year. Okay. I, I do, and, and I just I, on my on my podcast with Garrett Blunt, he just said, and I think you brought up an excellent point that this is going to be a one and done thing. They're going to keep Patricia on staff. He's going to go back to being defensive coordinator or a position coach, and they're either going to bring back Bill O'Brien or they're going to kind of promote him within the system. Whatever the case may be, I, I think Matt Patricia was a one-year stopgap plan until they found the offensive coordinator that they want, they like moving forward. And the podcast is Patriots Report on the Believe Podcast Network. Of course, Chris writes for the Boston Globe as well, and he joins us here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. We got a text on our don'tbebroke.com text line asking if we could ask you about how long did it take McDaniels to really insert his scheme and take off, and do you feel like the Raiders have the quarterback and personnel to run the scheme that he wants? It was a few years. And one thing I'll say about Josh is that he's able to come up with an offensive game plan, at least it was when he was here in New England. He's able to come up with an offensive game plan that is tailored week-to-week, you know, opponent-to-opponent. And a lot of that obviously, you know, comes down to personnel. But it took him a couple of years to kind of, quote-unquote, step out of the shadow with Charlie Weiss a little bit because really, you know, they've been running the same offense in New England for an awful long time. It goes all the way back to the days of Ron Earhart and, and Hank Bullard and Chuck Fairbanks. You know, nothing overly flashy. They've been able to kind of tweak it a little bit here and there. I mean, they've added, you know, RPOs and stuff as needed. But, you know, they didn't start running the, you know, the triple option, you know, for example. But it did. Ultimately, to answer your question, which is a great question, it took him a couple of years to be able to put his own imprint on the offense. And I think part of that, you know, what we talked about before, the process is, you know, getting guys who can fit that, getting guys who are a little bit versatile, getting guys who can do a few different things as opposed to one great thing. That's not to say there's not a place in the Josh McDaniels offense for a Randy Moss type. You know, they're able right. to, you know, rely on those guys. You know, the, you know, you know Devontae is, is, is a great guy that you guys have there in Vegas. That, you know, that's a comparable talent. It's about, it's about finding his comfort zone and being able to maximize his talents. But I think the strength of those guys, the strength of those Josh McDaniels offenses, at least back here in New England, were guys who were versatile, guys who could do a few different things, you know, not just run the ball, catch the ball, you know, maybe an offensive lineman who could play a few different positions, you know, and that really, for me, is one of the hallmarks of a Josh McDaniels offense. Versatility, they say this around Foxborough for a long, long time, you know, versatility is almost as important as ability. And so, you know, if I'm Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, I'm spending the offseason going out and finding guys who can do multiple things, not just one thing really well. Because you have a couple of guys on that roster right now that can do things really well. That's so funny. We spent the whole first segment talking about the plan, and, and that was one of our big key points was that they've been preaching that since they've been here, right? Versatility, yeah, versatility, yeah. versatility, and then you just co-signed it. So that's fantastic. Uh, great work by you. That's Chris Price, Patriot Support, Believe Podcast Network. Go ahead, Damon. All right, well, with this Patriots defense, how just how good are they? Because I know they have 45 sacks as a team, mm. and they already have two guys that are already in those double six on Monday, yeah, brother. exactly. <laughs> six sacks on Monday and two guys already on the season in double-digit sack totals. They have a couple of guys who are really great. I, I personally think, look, I, I'm maybe it's a New England bias you know, showing through because I've, I've seen him the last year plus, but Matthew Judon is playing at an elite level right now. He should be part of the defensive you know, player of the year conversation. Josh Uche. Is a, a young pass rusher who's done a phenomenal job, particularly over the second half of this season. Dietrich Wise has been very consistent when it comes to getting pressure on the quarterback. And they're really good when they're when they're at their best. They're really good at playing team defense. They're really good at at getting after the quarterback early, setting up second and long, third and long, in allowing guys like Devin McCourty, Jonathan Jones, Jack Jones, those those defensive backs to to make plays. The other thing that, that's interesting this year, as opposed to the last couple of years. The defense we saw at the end of the year last year 
was older and slower. And what they did is they went out and they started relying on some of these kind of oversized safeties, these Jabril Peppers, Adrian Phillips, Kyle Duggar types, who are not really safeties, but also not really linebackers. They're hybrids. And we talk about versatility on the offensive side of the ball with the Patriots and Josh McDaniels. These are guys who can do multiple things on the defensive side of the ball. The, the, the third thing, I want to make sure I bring this up here too, I am raving about Marcus Jones. I've been raving about Marcus Jones. I've been on that bandwagon since the start of the year. <laughs> this guy's a special young talent. He, he lined up opposite DeAndre Hopkins this past week because the Patriots had a couple Ooh. of injuries. This is a guy who also scored an offensive touchdown earlier this year on a pass play. He played some offense in college at Houston, and he's a special teams weapon. This is a guy who has a chance to be a real game breaker, a really special player in New England in the mold of a Julian Edelman or a Troy Brown type. So when we see him on Sunday, just uh, keep a spotlight on him because good things could happen yeah. when he's on the field. <laughs> yeah, yeah, number 25. He's a rookie, and again, he's been lights out when he's played this year. And, and I expect big, big, big things from him moving forward. There you go. That's a mic drop moment right there from Christopher Price, Patriots Report on the Believe Podcast Network and also a writer for the Boston Globe. What do you got coming out that we should be on the lookout for so Raider Nation can get a little bit more intel on, uh, on the Patriots? Well, you should go to bostonglobe.com. Myself, Jim McBride, Ben Volin, Nicole Yang, ton of great Patriots mm-hmm. coverage that you're going to want to keep an eye out for. Uh, and, and also, too, if I could put in a little personal plug, yep. I got a new book. If any hockey fans are out there, the history of the Hartford Whalers. I grew up in Connecticut as a Hartford Whalers fan. Fun book. I interviewed almost 100 guys, Ron Francis, Kevin Dedean, Mike Leute, going all the way back to the 1970s. A lot of fun stories that's available on Amazon. That's bleeding green. Nice. I like it. I like it. Well, you know, we have the Vegas Golden Knights out here, and so we're, uh, we turn the desert into a hockey town. So here we go. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm glad you mentioned that, though, because, uh, yeah, we're going to do some things uh, because, like I said, we do have the Vegas Golden Knights, and uh, we do talk quite a bit of hockey. So uh, we're definitely going to keep in touch, Chris. I do appreciate you this afternoon, and uh, good luck on the book. And like I said, we'll definitely be keeping in touch. Sounds good. Take care, guys. All right, there he goes. Christopher Price, Patriot Support, Believe Podcast Network, Boston Globe. He's a great writer for that and has a book out. And I uh, guarantee you one thing, Damon, and I know that everyone else that listens doesn't really quite understand what I'm talking about. I'm sure you already know where my radar went off, but uh, our guys on the VGK Insiders could use a guy that knows a lot of hockey as well. That could be a nice little cross-promotion conversation right there for our sister station. I'm always thinking about our sister station, Fox Sports Las Vegas as well. They do a fantastic job. We are the flagship station for the Vegas Golden Knights. We got every sport. This is one of the things that we can hang our hat on, and nobody can take it from us. Every sport here in town in Las Vegas is under our umbrella. That is something to be proud of, lvsportsnetwork.com. 2.46 is the time. We'll take a quick break. Come back, close out hour number one. It's Raider Nation Radio, 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Through the question out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. And also the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Where are you right now as far as confidence that the plan is in place and trending in the right direction? We just heard from Christopher Price, been covering the Patriots for a very long time, Boston Globe, and also Patriots Report on the Believe Podcast Network. And he said, hey, it took Josh McDaniels a couple years to implement his uh, offensive scheme. You know, he, he does believe that it is trending in the right direction and that those guys are smart guys and they're going to get it going in the right direction. But – that's just what one personal opinion is. Not my opinion, but his opinion. My opinion is I can see I can see the plan. I just would like personally to see it more consistently. I'd like to see, okay, this is what's what it's going to be. You know, we talked a lot about the Raiders and their identity, and at one moment I feel like I know what their identity is, and then another moment I'm like, wait, maybe I don't. 
<laughs> right? And it's just it just feels like it hasn't been consistent yet. But again, it's all part of I guess figuring out what they have and figuring out what they need. And those are the two biggest things. Our our good friend Jared from uh, our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, he actually was listening to the conversation earlier that we were having in the first segment of the show and sent over a, a little chart, Damon. And this chart is 2022 rookie snaps through week 14. So he brought this up because we were talking about, you know, hitting on draft picks and those guys playing and where different teams are ranked as far as how many snaps rookies have played, correct? Yep, that's correct. All right, so the Raiders are ranked 19th, and it has nine rookies. Uh, on the offensive side, they have 1,194 snaps. And on the defensive side, 654 snaps for a total of 1,848. That's ranked 19th. The Texans are ranked first. And I can say this. The Texans are ranked first because they don't have very much talent except for their draft class. <laughs> so they have to play, right? Ideally, you don't want your rookies to have to be playing a whole lot of snaps. But sometimes that's what it is because you just don't have a lot of veteran talent. The Raiders have a lot of veteran talent. And then they also have infused some – some rookie talent by way of drafted rookies or undrafted free agents. So uh, appreciate Jared for that little 19th rank for the Raiders. The Broncos are ahead of them at 18, the Colts at 17, the Browns at 16, Chargers are 15, Falcons 14, Cowboys 13, got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 12, Baltimore, the team that I talk about, I think they're a really good front office there at 11, Green Bay's at 10. We know how much they're struggling. The Lions who don't look now. I know I goofed on the Lions early in the season, but they're actually playing some good ball. They're ninth. Jaguars are eighth. The Titans, Demond, are seventh. The Jets, they're playing some good ball. They're doing most of theirs, I'm, I bet you, without looking at the chart defensively. Yep. Well, it's actually pretty even. 1,358 offensively, 1,398 defensively. The defensive players that they got in the draft were fantastic. The Chiefs are at five. The Giants are at four. The Bears are at three. They have to. And Seattle, who's actually having success, is at number two with the Texans at number one. So You know what's uh, very interesting go. about this list? Huh? 31 and 32. With 31. 31 being the Rams, you would say, oh, that's expected. The Rams, you know, yeah. F them picks. <laughs> right. But, but, but 32, the Eagles, the best team in the league record-wise. But that just shows that they got a really strong veteran team. Yeah, really, because they haven't had that many snaps when it comes to rookies. 578 total. That's it. 232 on offense and 346 on defense, that that's uh, that's that is interesting, and that's through that's eight rookies that they're talking about. So with eight rookies, they only have 578 total snaps. 31 is the Rams, like you mentioned. 13 rookies, only 856 snaps. So that's uh that's not a whole lot of production from their rookies. But we do want to hear from you, Raider Nation. 702-365-9200. Also, the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Coming up at 3 o'clock, we'll have some sounds from head coach Josh McDaniels, who met with us a little earlier today. Got a text from the 970. Yo, Q, this is Tiki Raider from Denver. What's up, Tiki? I have a medium confidence level. This team has flashes on offense at times, but these next four games will hopefully be huge steps forward with Waller and Renfro back. Hopefully the nation will be able to see what this team is really capable of. Thanks for everything you do, Q, for the nation. And Tiki Raider from Denver, thank you for that text. And that's what I think – and, Damon, I think that you're, you're in this category as well. I think that's what Na the Raider Nation needs to see is, is just – they need to see that – again, I, I use that word consistency. They need to see it consistently so they can say, okay, that's what it looks like, right? Is that what you're kind of waiting and holding out for is – you want to say something where you can say, okay, this is what this team is, and this is who they're going to be. 
Yes, especially with Waller and Renfro coming back. So we can at least say this is what the team should look like at full force. Now, I don't expect it to be this game against the Patriots because, like you said with Darren Waller, got to get his win back. So I'll give him the one-game grace period. Hey, getting back in shape. You know, (laughs) You got one game, Jack, and then you better be ready. (laughs) Because there are only four more to go. That's true. And after that, you got three games that I think that we'll be able to judge and say, hey, this is what that offense is supposed to look like because I don't expect either guy to go out there and play, you know, 100% of the snaps. Right. No, no, I don't I expect if they do go out there and play, they'll be on a pitch count as they should and then ramp their way up, but you're right. There's only four more and then you're back into the off season. So, you know, give everything that you can within reason, you know, I'm don't saying going out there and be crazy and hurt yourself, uh, you know, but go out there and give everything you can and show what it could look like and again, show some consistency. I, I just think the Raider Nation deserves some consistency. They deserve to see what the good product could be. You know, there's the worst the worst feeling would be to go into the offseason with a bunch of questions. Like Tiki Raider said he's at a medium confidence level. It'd be terrible to end the season and someone say, Yeah, Q, I'm at a low confidence level. Because then you have to sit there and stew on it all offseason. Through free agency, through the draft. Then your confidence level, you're like, Well, I don't have confidence in them anyway, so even no matter what move they're making, it's gonna fail. Right? I mean that's how and and that would be understandable. So I think that they and I mean they, I mean the players and coaches and organization deserves or, or, or owes it to the fan base. The fan base deserves to see it played at a level where it's like, okay, this is what it can look like. Don't worry. We got an idea, and it's, it's, it's coming together. We're, we're, we know what we need to do to make it come together fully. 2.57 is the time. We'll come back, get into hour number two, and we'll, uh, we'll start hearing some sounds from head coach Joshua Daniels, who met with us earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Plus, we'll hear from you. This is Rare Nation Radio 920.